Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gaynor. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can also hit us up on Twitter at go for it can't G O F O R I T G A N T. You also can hit us up on the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by singer, songwriter, the great, the one, the only, Brian McKnight. And Brian's going to talk about the Lakers. He's going to talk about his Cowboys. He's also going to talk about his new album that's in store right now, More Than Words. So we're going to get Brian's take on his new album and get his take on some of the things going on in and around the sports world. Also, we're going to be joined by free agent NFL tight end Reggie Kelly. And uh, Reggie has a new line out, food line, salsa, seasoning, and sauces line out, Kai Van, which is out right now for Reggie Kelly. So he's doing big things there. I'm going to ask Reggie, I've been looking and scouring the Internet trying to find it, but Reggie hasn't played since 2011, but he hasn't formally retired. I haven't seen anything where Reggie has formally retired, so I'm going to talk to Reggie about that. I'm going to ask Reggie about that and get his thoughts on some of the things going on around the National Football League. And speaking of National Football League, you know, a full slate of preseason games started yesterday. We have another full slate. Today, I mean, a lot of great games going on tonight. Uh, eight games on the docket tonight in and around the National Football League. And I look at the National Football League and I see, you know, a couple games that stick out to me, especially starting at 7.30, Jets, Lions, Patriots, Eagles. I, I look at those two games because I see two big-time quarterback battles going on in both of these cities. Michael Vick and Nick Foles in Philadelphia, Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez in New York with the Jets. And, you know, these games are going to be big for this quarter, these quarterbacks who are going out and trying to become starters for their team. Michael Vick wants to be a starter. Nick Foles wants to be a starter. Mike, Mark Sanchez wants to be a starter for the Jets. Geno Smith does. As well, obviously, they all want to be starters. They all want to be starters. But the reality is there's only going to be one. And... You look at the situation in Philadelphia, first off, I mean, you get the sense what Michael Vick's starting tonight, even though Chip Kelly says don't read too much into it. I get the sense that, and I get the sense that Michael Vick may have a slight edge at this point. Uh, they had the scrimmage the other day against the Patriots where they practiced with the Patriots, I should say. And, you know, from all reports, is Michael Vick uh, was ahead of Nick Foles. So, I mean, this is a great opportunity for either Foles or Vic to kind of take a hold of this job. If it was me and I'm Chip Kelly and I'm in charge of this situation, I'm not Chip Kelly, obviously, but if I was, 
If I was, I what I would do at this point is, as far as I'm concerned, I would take two preseason games and then that third game, before the third game, the third preseason game, which is usually a dress rehearsal. That's the game where I would name my starter. I wouldn't go let this go too, too far. I think that third game, that dress rehearsal, you want everybody who's going to be starting in play, in position, for the most part, and, and ready to go. And so I, if, if I'm Chip Kelly, after game number two, after week two in the preseason, based off all the practices, based off a couple games, I, I think I'm going to have to be prepared to make a decision and – Whatever that decision may be, if I feel like Nick Foles is the best way to go in terms of taking this team uh, where it needs to go in the 2012-2013 season, then I'll go with Nick Foles. If I feel like Michael Vick is the guy to run my offense, to give me that extra dimension that Nick Foles does not give me, which is running the football. Michael Vick can run the football. Nick Foles cannot. It's that simple. And I look at the offense. The offense, you look at a Chip Kelly offense, you would think they would need that mobile quarterback. Nick Foles is a pocket passer. He's not any type of mobile. He is a pocket passer. Michael Vick, we all know what Michael Vick is and has been throughout the course of his career. And I just think I just I saw Nick Foles last season, and there was nothing to me that was like eye popping. There was nothing to me that stood out. I just saw an average quarterback. I, I didn't see anything special. I didn't. And obviously with Michael Vick over the past two seasons, we haven't seen anything special either. But but Michael Vick does have a body of work. He does have a body of work. Say what you want about Michael Vick. He does have a body of work. And, you know, as, as early as what, 2010, I mean, Michael Vick – put up big-time numbers in that 2010 season. Big-time numbers. Big-time numbers in that 2010 season. Ultimately, that got him that big-time contract. Obviously, he hasn't lived up to that, and, and that's, that's just that's the reality of the situation. At this, I mean, the past two seasons, he's been a turnover machine. He really has. And I, you know, it is what it is, and I can't, I can't defend that. I don't think anybody can defend that. But he wasn't he has been a turnover machine over the past two seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. He has. He really has. I mean, fourteen interceptions in twenty eleven, ten interceptions in twenty twelve, but the the issues also have been the fumbles. I mean a lot of fumbles with Michael Vick. I mean ten fumbles in twenty eleven and eleven fumbles in twenty twelve. You can't have that. You cannot have 21 fumbles in two years. That's just too much of giving up the ball. You can't put the ball on the ground like that and expect to have success in this league. It just won't happen. It just can't happen. You can't have success and putting the ball on the field like that 21 times in two seasons. It's too many times. Way too many times. Can't have it. Can't have it. You won't have success if you do it. And so Michael Vick obviously has to protect the football. He has to protect the football. He has to if he wants to stay 
in Philadelphia as a starter. And if he wants to be a starter, not only in Philadelphia, but elsewhere in this league. He's got to be able to protect the football. He's got to learn how to protect the football. And apparently Chip Kelly has helped him in terms of holding the football. He's taught him a different way to hold the football, a new way to hold the football, a better way to hold the football. And you wonder after, you know, Michael Vick's been in the league for a long time, and, you know, you would think at this point he would have a better handle on how to hold the football. But you look at Tiki Barber. You know, when Tom Coughlin came to New York, Tiki Barber was a fumbling machine. He was a fumbling machine. And after Tom Coughlin came to New York, he helped Tiki Barber, you know, learn a new way of holding the football. And that new way of holding the football helped Tiki Barber have a lot of success in the latter part of his career. It helped him have a lot of success. It was a big part of his success. He was a fumbling machine, Tiki Barber. But again, he was able to learn how to hold the ball differently, and that helped him. That helped with the fumbles. And again, I, again, Nick Foles. I'm not excited when I see Nick Foles. I, I just, I, I'm not excited. I'm not excited. He, he does not excite me. Um, it, it just, he's young, obviously, and, and I'm not saying he didn't show anything. He's definitely shown some things. He definitely has shown some things. We, we've seen that. But, again, is it anything special at this point? Have we seen anything special out of Nick Foles? I haven't. I haven't. I really haven't. And so as far as I'm concerned, and, I look, and, and looking at these guys, Foles or Vic, I have to go with Michael Vick. I think Michael Vick will get the job. I really do. I really do think Michael Vick gets the job. And I just think he's the best player for this ball club in terms of winning. And it comes down to winning, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes down to winning, the best person the best player that gives you the best chance to win is Michael Vick in Philadelphia. But we'll see what happens. He has to prove it to Chip Kelly and his new staff. And Veron Hayes, who we had on, former NFL running back, who we had on last week, uh, Veron, you know, made a great point. None of these guys are Chip Kelly guys. He didn't bring in Nick Foles or Michael Vick. He did bring in Matt Barkley. So he didn't bring in these two guys. So he's not married to any of these guys. These are Andy Reid guys. So, we'll see. But, again, I think Michael Vick gets the job, and I think in terms of if the Eagles want to have true success, I think the best person who, who gives them that opportunity of success and who gives them the best chance to have success is Michael Vick. Just my opinion. We'll see. And we go to New York now with the Jets. And the whole situation with Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez will get the start. And before I go to this Jet situation, Chip Kelly did say that the reps will be split between Michael Vick and Nick Foles. But before, uh, let me go back to the Jet situation. Now, Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez will get the start, but Rex Ryan did indicate that Geno Smith will get time with 
the first unit. So Geno Smith is going to get an opportunity with the first unit. But Mark Sanchez will get the start. Sanchez gets the start. Geno Smith gets time with the start with the first team unit. So it's going to be interesting. Who wins this job? I, I, I look at Mark Sanchez just like you look at Michael Vick over this past two seasons. A turnover machine. An absolute turnover machine. I mean, I couldn't believe last season when you looked at the New York Jets, I couldn't believe that Tim Tebow couldn't get any type of shot. Tim Tebow couldn't get into, I mean, he had, the Jets really had to think Tim Tebow was bad. I mean, they really, really, really had to think Tim Tebow stunk. I mean, Greg McElroy went in over Tim Tebow. You really, really don't think too highly of this guy. That That's very evident. That's very obvious. I mean, 13 touchdowns and 18 interceptions for Mark Sanchez. 54% completion percentage. And he started 15 games. You wouldn't expect it if I just throw it throughout these numbers. And you didn't know who the player was. 54% completion percentage. 13 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. 13 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. Now, if I didn't give you the name, there's no way you would have thought this that particular player with, the, with that stat line would have started 15 games. With that type of stat line, 13 and 18, I mean, he was a turnover machine. A turnover machine. And he lost 14 fumbles last season. 14, including the butt fumble. We all remember the butt fumble. We all remember that. And... Speaking of that, I mean, I don't mean to change the subject, but Brandon Moore retired this week. Um, he signed with the Cowboys initially. Then he ended up retiring. But every time I saw Brandon Moore and people talk about Brandon Moore, I saw the butt fumble. I saw the butt fumble. That, to me, you know, I, I, I know it's a, it's a big-time image. I know it's something that resonates with the people. But, I mean, come on. That's not fair. I mean, this was a productive player in the National Football League. He wasn't a bomb. But you look at the file footage that they show of this guy, and every time they show footage of Brandon Moore, they show Mark Sanchez running into the butt of Brandon Moore and fumbling the football. All they show is the butt fumble. Brandon Moore deserves better. It's unfair. It's not right. He deserves better. But anyway, let me go back. Mark Sanchez in the whole situation. Will he be able to hold off the young lion, the young rookie? Can he hold off that rookie, that young lion? A guy who has a lot of confidence in Geno Smith. 
Geno Smith has confidence. Definitely has confidence. Definitely believes in his ability to get it done. But will he have him? He is a rookie. Rookies tend not to fare well in the National Football League, at least not right away. But I will say this. Of late, of late, rookies have come in. Guys like RG3, guys like Russell Wilson, guys like uh, Andrew Luck, guys have come in and had immediate success in an actual football league. So, yes, we, we, we say that when it, when it comes to the National Football League, we, we, we say, you know what, rookies come in, coming in as quarterbacks tend to struggle. But it has been a little different of late. And rookies have come in, and rookies have had success. So, who wins the job? Bottom line, in my opinion, who wins the job? I think Mark Sanchez holds off Geno Smith because unlike Chip Kelly with Vacant Falls, Sanchez is a Rex Ryan guy. Granted, now you got a new GM and John Itzik, so you know that changes the dynamic of things. But I think Sanchez will do enough to hold on. Now, does he play the whole season as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets? I don't think so. I don't think so. And you can even say the same thing in Philadelphia. Does Michael Vick play the whole season in Philadelphia? I think he does. But you know, Michael Vick, there's always injury concerns. So if he does not start, I don't think it will be because of performance. I think Michael Vick will perform. I said this before about Michael Vick a few weeks, few weeks back. You know, this is his... Third strike, if you will. I mean, the first strike was the, the dog fighting thing. He came back from that. And, you know, ultimately earned himself a new contract and earned himself some big-time money. Second strike was the last two seasons, 2011 and 2012, when uh, and especially in 2011 we were his dream team, dream team talk, and the Eagles had so much, so many Super Bowl, Super Bowl aspirations. A lot of people believe that the Eagles could make a Super Bowl run in 2011. 2012, abysmal, and that whole season just fell apart. Absolutely fell apart. So he's on a second strike. This is the last opportunity, and I'm not saying, and we'll see how everything progressed this year, but I think he's going to be motivated to stay healthy, motivated to earn another contract and to stick around as a starter in this league. I think... Michael Vick, if he wanted to, if let's just say he doesn't have the best of seasons. Let's just say he has an average season. I think he could stick around if he wanted to as a backup in this league. I think he could be a backup in this league for a long time if he wanted to. If he wanted to. And that's the key thing sometimes, if you want to. I mean, perfect. And I'm not comparing Michael Vick to Allen Iverson, but perfect uh, person is Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson is a superstar throughout the course of his career. And when it came to becoming a sixth man and coming off the bench, he, he wasn't going for that. That that wasn't going to work for AI. Ultimately, it led to him 
not getting re-signed by, not getting signed by anybody, and ultimately it may have led to the end of his career. I don't think Allen Iverson will ever play again in the National Basketball Association. And that, to me, is a very sad, sad story. That's sad to me. Guys like Allen Iverson need deserve, as far as I'm concerned, not need. They deserve to have that opportunity to go out on good terms. They deserve the opportunity to go out on good terms. And I said deserve, but he he, he should go out on good terms. I mean, a a guy, a, a surefire Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, Maybe the greatest little score, little man score in, an as, in, in basketball history. He deserves to go out on better terms than he did, and he didn't help the situation. He obviously did not help the situation. But again, it is unfortunate, but it is what it is. I want to switch gears now to baseball. Alex Rodriguez. Alice. Alex, excuse me, I said Alice. Alex Rodriguez. This guy. He's sticking around. And the thing about it is, he has formally appealed. Twelve guys were given 50-game suspension. They took their suspension. A-Rod, of course, was given a longer suspension. 211 games. Supposedly the rest of the, he was supposed to get the rest of this season and all the next season. Well, A-Rod has appealed, formally appealed, and because of it, Alex Rodriguez will play the rest of this season, barring any type of injury. He will play the rest of this season, barring any type of injury. And unfortunate, if he's guilty, yeah, maybe. I mean, this is a guy who admitted to juicing, and granted, that was before there were any type of any type of regulations, if you will, any type of collective bargaining agreement in terms of uh, drug prevention, in terms of drug testing at the time. But this was a guy who admitted to at least three years of juicing. This is what he admitted to. And we don't know if he's just been juicing after that. Obviously, there is a connection to biogenesis on some level. He wouldn't be... MLB wouldn't be suspending this guy if there wasn't any type of connection to biogenesis. There is a connection to biogenesis on some level. On some level. Now, Alex Rodriguez has appealed. The other guys have taken their suspension and went on home for 50, for 50 games. Alex Rodriguez says, no, I ain't going for that. I'm 38 years old. If you suspend me for uh, for the remaining games and then suspend me for the rest of the next season, by the time I come back, I'm going to be close to 40. I'm 40 years old. I don't have much time left. So... To me, I look at Alex Rodriguez now going out in a blaze of glory. He's going out in the blaze of glory. He's going out. He's going to fight to the end. Quite frankly, he has nothing to lose. 
Alex Rodriguez has nothing to lose in this situation. Nothing. He has nothing to lose. If you're Alex Rodriguez, why would you not fight it? Why would you not fight it? If, if your main objective is to be on the baseball field, if your main objective is to play the game of baseball as long as you can, why not fight this? It's going to go to arbitration. They're not going to hear it till November or December. We all know the baseball season ends, if you're lucky, in October. So, by the time the appeal comes around, this season will be over. And by the time that comes around, A-Rod will have uh, a, a few games under his belt. He will, in some respect, have gone out on his own terms, on some, on some level, on some level. Obviously, his own terms would be not getting suspended at all and, and continuing to play. And there's no saying that even if, he, if, he, even if the suspension goes through, there's no saying that he won't come back. But you wonder at that point if any team is willing to take a chance on A-Rod. 600-plus home runs. I mean, if he could still play, you, you, you would think someone maybe would look at him. Then again, Barry Bonds still could play, and no one would give him an, oppor- give him an opportunity. So A-Rod at this point, this is his last opportunity as far as I'm concerned to play the game that he's loved. I mean, he's played the game 19 years. He's played the game his whole life. His whole life. Dedicated to the sport of baseball. That's not going to be easy to give up. Even if you're dead wrong. Even if you juiced. We all know we juiced for three years. That's what he told us. We know for a fact, definitively, from from his mouth, for three years I juiced. That's what he told us. For three years. Obviously, it's probably some more years there. His numbers, his greatness may be attributed to the juice, to PEDs. Unfortunate situation, but it is what it is. And again, I don't blame A-Rod. I don't. I don't blame him. I really don't. This is his, he's 38 years old. Why not fight it? What does Alex Rodriguez ha- have to lose here? Obviously money, if the suspension goes through a lot of money. But really, what, what does he have to lose? If he's guilty, it'll come out anyway. But at least he got those games in. At least he was able to play and go out on some level on his own terms. Obviously, he's able to go out on some level on his own terms. Fair or unfair, it is what it is. And A-Rod was asked directly, have you used Are you guilty? Have you used at that press conference? At that press conference the other day, he kept going on and on 
about the process and, and going through the process. He says this is the worst time of his life, for sure. He also added, he's thrilled, he's humble. To have an opportunity to put on a baseball uniform again, he has that opportunity. When asked if he used performance-enhancing drugs, I mean, if you're innocent, if you didn't do it, I think, you know, the per- if, if somebody came out and asked you definitively, have you used performance-enhancing drugs? You say this, if you didn't do it. As far as I'm concerned, he, his answer was this, quote, we'll have a forum to discuss all of that, and we'll talk about it then. That was his, that was his answer to the question, has he used performance-enhancing drugs? Obviously, he used it for that three-year period. So if he was innocent, why did he say, you know what, if he's truly innocent, and I know ultimately, you know, you don't want to say too much, but you, well, you want to put, put at least something in the court of public opinion. So he could have at least said, you know what, yes, I used PETs for three years. That three years that I talked about when I said it to Peter Gammons many years ago. When I said that to Peter Gammons, that three-year period, he could have said, yes, I used it, used performance-enhancing drugs during that three-year period, but have not used it since. Because simply said that. To me, this is just my opinion. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. But this is my opinion. I look at that in terms of we'll have the forum to discuss all of that, and we'll talk about it. Then I look at that as a guy that's probably guilty. I mean, if, if if you put a gun to my head, Alex Rodriguez is probably guilty of sin in terms of using performance-enhancing drugs. That's if that gun is going to my head. I, I mean, maybe he could find some kind of something to get him out of this. Maybe he could find a way to discredit Tony Bosch of Biogenesis. Maybe he could do it. Maybe he could do it. I mean, Ryan Braun tested positive in... He found a way to get off. Ultimately, the truth caught up to him. You remember Ryan Braun? You remember Ryan Braun, who said this back in February of 2012? If I had done this intentionally or unintentionally, I'd be the first one to step up and say, I did it. By no means am I perfect, but if I've ever made any mistakes in my life, I've taken responsibility for my actions. I truly believe in my heart, and I would bet my life that this substance never entered my body at any point. You remember that, Ryan Braun? That's the same guy who bet his life. His life! Is there anything more precious than your life? He, he bet his life that nothing entered his body, knowingly or unknowingly. Nothing! In terms of performance-enhancing drugs, has entered the body of Ryan Braun. He bets his life on it. Obviously, Alex Rodriguez didn't go that far. And quite frankly, I hope he wouldn't go that far. He bet his life. His life. Wow. So, Ryan Braun got off for, for a bit of time. But ultimately, it caught up to him. The truth 
caught up to him. And he took his suspension, and he went home. But guess what? Ryan Braun still collects and will collect over $100 million. Got a lot of money, a lot of money coming to him. A lot of money. But I look at the whole thing with these performance-enhancing drugs until, and I said this before and I'll say it again, I'll reiterate it, until you, until you, until you decide to start taking away people's money, until you get to that point where you're taking away people's money, then you will see a change, possibly. But why not? I mean, if you're coming from a poor area, let's say you're coming from the Dominican Republic, let's say you're coming from the hood somewhere in in America, or anywhere, if you're coming from a poor situation, you have an opportunity for a come-up. And, and, and getting to the major leagues gives you an opportunity for a come-up. If you have that opportunity to do it, you may think long and hard about taking performance-enhancing drugs. You may think long and hard about taking it. Not saying you would, but you probably would think about it. You probably would think about it. And so I don't blame these guys because, you know, Melky Cabrera, connection to Anthony Bosch, was suspended for performance enhancing drugs last season, became a free agent, ultimately signed on with the Toronto Blue Jays. It's almost like it never happened. Got more money, even though. He used performance-enhancing drugs. So there is nothing really out. There's no deterrent. Okay, maybe the you know public will uh, the public will say bad things about you. The public will call you a cheat. But guess what? While the public is living in a, a regular house, working nine to five, probably at a job they hate, that. Professional athlete, Alex Rodriguez, Ryan Braun, Melky Cabrera, everybody else on that list, that guy is, is, is cashing a big-time paycheck. Ryan Braun's about to get – he's going to lose about $3 million because of this suspension. But guess what? He's going to get – still got $100 million coming his way. Alex Rodriguez still has a lot of money coming his way. The moment – you start taking money away from these guys the moment you will have change. But the reality is, while Joe Blow goes to work every day and hates, the jo- hates their job, Alex Rodriguez, you can chastise them, you can call them a fraud, and call them every type of name in the book. But you will never cash the check that he's cashing. You will never live in the type of house that he lives in. You will never drive the type of car that he drives. Never. You never will have that opportunity. So, hey, if I'm A-Rod, I started from the bottom. Now I'm here at the top. Guess what? Suspend me. I still have money coming my way. Ryan Braun, 
suspend me. I still have money coming my way. I can put my life on it. I still have money coming my way. So it really doesn't matter. This whole thing will never change until you decide to start taking money out of the pockets of these guys. That's the only way this is going to change. This will continue to go on. We will see this type of thing continue. The cheats will continue to cheat. And that is just the reality of the situation. I want to go back to football now. We're going to, be, we're going to bring in a guy now to talk some football. I mean, the preseason started yesterday. Very exciting. Not too exciting, actually. After the first quarter, it becomes very, very boring. But anyway, the preseason has started. Full slate of games yesterday. Another full, full slate today. Let's bring him in now. A guy who's going to talk about it. Free agent tight end, Reggie Kelly. Reggie, Yo, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Hey, let's do this more and more often, my friend. Definitely, definitely, Reggie. Thanks for joining us. No problem, no problem, man. The pleasure's all mine. Reggie, you haven't played since 2011. You're 36 years old, and I've been looking all over the Internet. And at this point, I haven't seen you formally retire. Are you yes, still I'm... looking to play football? No, I'm, I'm I'm retired, man. I, I've hung up the cleats. Um, the cleats are, are are getting dust on them. Um, the helmet hung <laughs> up as well. <laughs> it's a wrap, man. You know the, the the tread was getting a little bit low on, on the tire, so it's time to, to call it quits. So, um, um, I, how it works now in the NFA, some guys will actually go up and give a formal retirement uh, um, via which, whichever team they want to retire with. I just said I just quietly ride off into the sunset. Like I always do things. So yes, I am formally retired. Well, I am. So there's no retired. I am retired unless I get a call to bring me out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so you're retired pending a phone call. <laughs> there you go. I may pull a Brett Favre on you any minute now, so you never know. <laughs> Let me ask: if if a phone call were to come, does it have to be a contending team? Could it be? A bottom feeder. Does it have to be a contending team? Oh uh, yeah, w- without a shadow of a doubt. At this this point in my career, you know, um, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've played 13 years in the NFL. I've enjoyed every aspect uh, of the game. The only thing that I would like to accomplish at this point is to win a Super Bowl ring, and so that would have to be the motivation. Um, a team that that's a contender, a team that has a really good. Um, um, a team that has really good chemistry, really good camaraderie, and a team that can really make a push in, in okay. postseason play, and that's what I'll be looking for. Now, Reggie, before we get to some of the preseason action and everything, I want to go to Hard Knocks now. You were a part of Hard Knocks a few years back with the Cincinnati Bengals. Excuse me. Talk about being a part of Hard Knocks and the whole experience. Was it, was it annoying having those cameras around? You know, it really wasn't annoying because uh, they made sure that, that they did their job and that they was kind of like they were really quiet um, behind the scenes, okay. low-key, where they, where they really didn't get I mean, anybody's way. And that, that was more surprising than me, to me than anything. Um, I expected the cameras to be all in our faces. I expected it to be very annoying. I expected cords to be everywhere. 
and, and guys to really intrude on our privacy, but it was it was quite different. They do a great job of making sure that they stay off the scene, but yet still be on okay. the scene. And, and, and then okay. they, they make sure that, that they edit things very properly to the point where the average fan gets an opportunity to truly get a glimpse of, of the life of an NFL player, especially those going through training camp trying to really make a squad. Now, Reggie, I want to move now to Riley Cooper and his unfortunate comments. He made some unfortunate comments last week. Well, at least it came out last week. He made some unfortunate comments. He went away for sensitivity training. Now he is back. How do you think the Philadelphia Eagle players are going to respond to Riley Cooper? Well, you know, um, um, since since I've been in the NFL, you know, um, I've I've known the locker room to be very, very forgiving. You know, you're going to have some guys that, that might hold a grudge, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we're a family, and, and in your family, in your, in your regular family, sometimes some of your regular family members say stuff out of line. Sometimes you have fights and bickering. Um, some, sometimes, you know, family members don't quite get along, but at the end of the day, it's all love. And, and I would say the same thing. He's a part of our NFL family. Uh, obviously, those words shouldn't have come out of his mouth, but it, it as the truth be told, we've all said stuff that we regret it. We've all said stuff right. just uh, at the time just, just to say it and, and, and not realize the implications. I'm sure he realized the implications, but um, he said it. Uh, he apologized. And I think um, I think winning football games um, cures all, all wounds or heals all wounds. And so I think once that team gets on track, start winning, he plays extremely well. Uh, I, I think the guys will forgive him and, and move on. But, you know, you just have to be careful what you say. You know, I've said stuff, everybody has said stuff that we regret. Um, but by the same token, you know, we're allowed to make mistakes in life. But you learn from your mistakes, you move on, and try not to do that same thing all over again. Now, obviously, we look at the NFL. It is close to 70% African American. And in the locker room from time to time, you're going to hear the N-word being thrown around amongst African American players. Do you think on some level – Riley Cooper may have heard that and, and said to himself, possibly it is okay to use the N-word. Well, you know, um, um, since, since I've been in the locker room or wherever I go, that word is, is used, um, and it's used quite freely amongst African-American players, but just African-Americans in general from, from time to right. time. And I'll be honest with you, I, I absolutely hate it uh, because I, I, I can't say that, that I've experienced uh, what my forefathers went through, but I know they went through a lot so that we could experience equality. Uh, they went through a lot uh, um, of sacrifice um, so that we could we could assume our proper place as American citizens, and, and, and they were disgusted by that word, and, and, and so am I. And I, I don't think right. that we should use that, that word in any form. And, and, and what happens is when, when, when people from other races use that word, um, then we become offended, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. I think we should become offended. But I don't think we should add extra in, any extra fuel to the fire as, as well. You know, obviously, if he's heard the word or not, uh, um, I, from my experience, uh, um, um, the Caucasian players, or if you want to call them white players, they've already been prepped that, that, that African-Americans <laughs> may say it, but you can't say it. <laughs> right, right. So, so, so well, those guys have already been prepped, you know, that, that you can't, you can't, um, said said that particular word. You can say a lot of other stuff. Uh, you can right. you know make fun of this and make fun of that. You can Jones here or Janky there, but that's one word that that's off limits. And what about in terms of the music in the locker room? I mean, 
there is hip hop played in an NFL locker room, and, and from time to time, you're going to hear the N word being said by uh, any hip hop artist in a particular song. And, and again, uh, to your point, I mean, I agree with you. As an African American, it's, it's totally and truly unacceptable for uh, an, a Caucasian to use the N word, whether it's A or E R or any type of uh, use of the N word. It's unacceptable, but. If, if they're hearing it in music, on some level, I mean, it becomes, I don't want to say acceptable, but you can understand why they feel like they could use it. Well, you know, um, um, I, I, I just think that, that it's all about the individual. It's all about, it's all about uh, um, your perspective and, and the limits you want to put on what you take in, uh, the limits right. on what you want to hear. Even you have to put boundaries on, on some of the places you go. Um, not not just being an NFL player, but I just think that's just being a productive person in life. I think it's very important to project the right image and then carry that image out. Uh, um, if you if you expect people to respect you, um, if you expect people to look at you with integrity, then you have to carry yourself just like that. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, I try to to avoid those type of lyrics. I do. You know, I, I love right. listening to R and B, old school rap, gospel, jazz. And I try to limit myself to that. Why? Simply because I have kids, and, and I don't right. want to play. If I don't want to play that same type of music around my kids, then why should I listen to it? Because guess what? I'm trying to be a great influence to them. And so um, I know kids are going to be kids. They're going to listen to whatever they want to listen to, and I don't have a problem with that if my kids grow up. But if, if I'm going to say, "Hey, I'm Reggie Kelly. This is what I represent," then I have to do it, whether if I'm out in the public or if I'm behind closed doors. And so, so for me, it's all about putting limits on myself. Now, I'm not saying I haven't listened to that. Um, I have listened to, you know, um, lyrics of that sort. But I try my best not to, to be quite honest with you. Because, again, I, I just don't like that word. And, and that word caused a lot of tension. Believe it or not, it caused right. a lot of stress in the brain, especially from some of the older generations. I've heard it time and time again, you know, from the older generation. They get very, very angry by some of these lyrics. Because they had to go through so much, and they fought for so they fought for us for this generation, so that we can live freely and have equality. And then to see um, to see and hear that that, that type of verbiage, uh, um, it is very concerning for the older generations because they want to feel like they've left the right legacy behind, and they want to feel Definitely. like we can carry the forth to the next generation and leave that legacy behind. So I think, especially a lot of the older generation, I, me personally, I want to be very respectable towards them, uh, especially for all the work and sacrifice they've given us. We're talking to former NFL tight end Reggie Kelly. And, Reggie, some interesting QB battles going around the National Football League. I want to start in Philly now. Michael Vick, Nick Foles, in your opinion, who gets the nod in Philly? Uh, Mike Vick. Vick. Vick's my guy all day long, all day strong. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> hey, I, I, I played with, with the young fella. Obviously, he was a young fella when I was with the Falcons. Um, obviously, he's aged a bit. Um, he's slow. You know, he's he, he slowed down maybe slightly, but Mike still has it. I, I just think um, last year with, with the offensive line, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes offensive line doesn't mesh the way you want to, to mesh. And I'm not putting any blame on the offensive line because, hey, that's part of football, especially in their division right. when you're playing um, the New York Giants, Washington Redskins, Dallas Cowboys. They got some. They got great front seven plates. And so they're going to have to, you know, the Eagles offensive line has to come with it day in and day out. 
but but Mike did take a lot of hits. Let's just be honest. Let's throw that out there. Definitely. He took a lot of hits. Uh, um, because of those hits, you know, he made some misfortune errors as far as fumbling the ball and maybe trying to rush some passes. But, again, you can't put all that on the offensive line. Uh, your quarterback always has to make sure that he protects the ball. So I'm sure that that's, that's in the back of Mike's mind, and he's a true competitor. He wants to win, right. and especially when he has a bad game or a bad season like he had last year, trust me, he's going to want to come back and prove to him that he still has the juice, and I believe he does. So I get a nod to Vic. Now, how how different is Michael Vick? Obviously, you came in and you were with Michael Vick earlier in his career. Obviously, he's he's lost a step, as you say. He's not as fast as he once was. He's still fast, but not as fast as he once was. But do you see a difference in Michael Vick as a player? Do you see progress out of Mike Vick as a player? More so yeah, as a passer. I, I, think, I, I think Mike has matured tremendously. I think he's he's gotten a lot of more patience, more patience now. Um, beforehand, you know, when he was with the Falcons, um, um, he, he was quick to run. I think in, in his thoughts, right. uh, he, he would rather run first than pass second. But I think over time he's matured a little bit more to the point where he realized, you know, that in order to be an effective quarterback and in order to be named with the elite quarterbacks, he's going to have to pass the ball down the field. He's got to take his time and avoid a couple of rushers and then set his feet and then make an accurate throw. And I think he's improved on that um, tremendously. But last year it just seemed like he, he was all over the place. And from the standpoint, it just seemed like he was really rushed. rushed. It right. seemed like he had an opportunity to really set his feet a lot and, and really be methodical in his thought process. And because of it, it seemed like he played, played a little frantic from time to time. Uh, but but, but that, that's just part of quarterback position, you know, when, when you get hit a lot, uh, when things are not quite going your way. They said when it rains, it pours. And that's what happened mm-hmm. in Philly. It started to rain. And you and you got a flash flash love warning um, up there, but you know I, I think they got a new coach. Um, a new coach is going to bring a new direction. I'm going to try to bring, I guess, a high powered offense offensive mentality to that team. And he has the right quarterback that can do it, especially a confident Mike Vick. This guy still right. has it, man. This guy still has some good quality years in him. I just want to see him show out like like I've seen him do in the past. Definitely, we're talking to former NFL tight end. Reggie Kelly. How about the Jets? I mean, they, they have a quarterback competition as well. Geno Smith, the young rookie out of West Virginia, and of course Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez, who, like Vic, fair or unfair, he was a turnover machine. Um, Michael Vick was a turnover machine for two seasons, and, and Mark Sanchez, a turnover machine as well. But all in all, who wins the job, Geno Smith or Mark Sanchez? Well, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I think the reason why they, they drafted the young fella is because they really wanted him to come in at some point and, and assume assume the quarterback position, the top quarterback position. Um, they may not be saying it in the public, but but they, I just got a gut feel. And, and I've been in this situation time and time again where, you know, the front office coaches are going to be politically correct. They're going to say the right thing, not to put any more fuel on the flame. But I, I think that if this young guy – comes up to speed as, as fast as they're hoping that they will be, uh, I, I say that, that Geno gets the nut. If he doesn't, if he has setbacks, especially during these preseason games, and obviously Sanchez is going to do Because Sanchez, let's be honest, he can manage the game. Um, there are right. been spurts where he plays really, really good football, um, but for some reason or another he have those games where um, seem, seemingly maybe he's a little spacey from time to time and just throws passes um, that, that obviously are ill-advised. But whatever the case, right. he's a good quality quarterback in the NFL, and 
And again, I think confidence confidence um, plays a heavy role in, in, in how a quarterback plays. If a quarterback is confident, even if he's an average player, he'll play like an elite quarterback. And so, if Sanchez right. gets that confidence and and, and get, gets a few, few, a couple of good games underneath his belt and plays extremely well, um, he can quite possibly take it the distance. And maybe a year or two, Geno can come in. I'm not quite sure. Um, this one is kind of a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm kind of going both ways on this one. But right. I will say this: they did draft a young fella. And if he shows up during preseason, I think he's going to get the nod. I think what's going to happen, I think Sanchez ultimately will get the job. But I think yeah. at some point during the season, Smith will take over. I don't see the Jets really being that good of a football team this season. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That's a good point. Now, That's a great point. Great point. Well, we'll see what happens. And you played – I want to go to the Falcons for a moment. You played with that team two seasons ago. This was a team last season that finally got over the hump and won a playoff game, got to the NFC Championship game. Ultimately, they will lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Do you see the Falcons? You played with Matt Ryan. You played you, – Mike Smith coached you. You played with a lot of these guys. Do you see the Falcons finally taking that next step? And the next step with them is a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the only step that the – Atlanta Falcon fans would <laughs> to be quite frankly with you. They they, they want to sell anything less than the Super Bowl. I mean, even the prior seasons before that, you know, the Falcons have had really good uh, regular season play. Uh, um, but but none of the fans were really buying into it. All of the fans would always tell me, "Let's just wait and see how they play the first postseason game." And I think now that they won and, and have proven that that they can go the distance, I guess you could say. Now the only thing the fans will accept now is an actual Super Bowl appearance. And that's what they're going to have to do in order to be considered um, a really good team this year or be considered a bust now. They have they have the equipment now. They have the talent, obviously, to do something. Mean, they are, I mean, man, they, they are a well-oiled machine, especially offensively. And then Mike Nolan comes in and he has a savvy um, a savvy play to, to the defense. And, and you know what? Last night, last night I was really impressed with the way that Matt Ryan um, managed the game in his first preseason game. Normally, man, that's a ton and tons of sloppy play, terrible throws. Because guys really have to work out the kinks of actually playing against a, another opponent. But I was very imp- right. impressed with how Matt played, how he commanded the guys, how the guys really uh, rose up, <laughs> rise up, I guess, no pun intended, but how they <laughs> rose up to, to the challenge of playing against the Bengals. They did a great job, man. They lost a really bad game, but obviously it's preseason. Uh, coaches are trying to get some young guys some looks to see what they can do too under pressure. But overall, I think they played really well. I think they have a really great chance to uh, make it to the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, the way the Bengals played and and how they're equipped to, the Bengals may yeah. do the same thing. So it could be a Falcons Bengals yeah. Super Bowl matchup. And I look at the Bengals. I mean, defensively, it seems to be there. My question is Andy Dalton and whether or not he can take this team to that next level, lost last two seasons to the Houston Texans and, quite frankly, didn't play well in those playoff games. So yeah, I'm interested to see if he can take that next step. And I think in order for them to take that next step, he has to take that next step. Well, you know, I, I think I think Coach Lewis did a really smart thing in the draft. He made sure that that he equipped the team and made sure that he gave Dalton another safety blanket and, and Eifert. I think that was a really smart move. You got two really good tight ends. 
that that can catch intermediate pass, but also stretch the field. Then you got AJ Green, obviously that can do anything out wide. Um, I, I think that was a great move. You can never have too many tight ends on your team. Um, tight ends right. can give you really great protection, so that Dalton can set his feet and relax, and then make really good quality throws. And then by the same token, they they can run some really good quick short passes. He can get the ball out of his hand and, again, establish some type of confidence. Um, I, had a, I had an opportunity to sit down and just, uh, just talk with, with, with Andy yesterday. Uh, this kid okay. is bright, man. This kid is, is sharp. Uh, this kid knows knows the game of football, knows the X's and O's, and, and, and he knows who to get the ball to at all times. And you need that in the quarterback. Um, and you need a guy that's going to command the offense. And seeming like the first two years, um, seemed like he was somewhat getting his feet wet trying to feel things out. But after my conversation with him yesterday, uh, it seems like he's ready to, to step over the hump and, and command more of this offense and be more of a leader and also get into guys' butts if they're not willing to divide into the program. So, I mean, you need that type of quarterback. That's the type of quarterback Aikman was, um, Farr, Marino, guys who are, not, guys who are willing to, 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 to kick your butt to make sure that, that you get the job done give you a kiss when, when you do get it done. So, hey, that's the type of quarterback I see him being. And hint, hint to all the GMs out there, Reggie Kelly said you can never have too many tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was my sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're a busy man off the field, obviously. You're doing big things with your, with your line, your, your line of sauces, seasonings, and salsa. Hi, man. Talk about it. Well, you know, man, uh, I'm, I've always always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was raised up in the NFL with, with great guys that taught me to be a pro on and off the field. They told, taught me how to capitalize on on opportunities when, when the game of football is over with. And, and to be quite honest with you, they told me that football is not where it ends. Football is just a start. Um, right. It's just basically a start. Uh, um, uh, it's a fire starter for, for the rest of your life, and you should take full advantage of the opportunities that come along with the game of football. And, and what's some, one such opportunity that I decided to take advantage of is the food industry. Um, I come from a family of cooks, a uh, family that really loves to cook. We make any excuse just to get together and fire up the grill. And so um, I decided just to take my family recipes that's been passed down to me from generation to generation and try to give the world a piece of what I've been given my entire life, um, food, food that will touch your soul. And so I started this food line. It's called Kyvan Soul Food Selections, Kyvan, K-Y-V-A-N. I named this food line after my kids. My daughter, her name is Kyla. Um, son's name is Kevin. Combined the two to come up with Kyvan. So we're selling products in Walmart stores regionally, and we're going to just continue mm-hmm. to make this thing a, a nationwide um, um, business and I'm excited about the opportunity. If I can't compete on the football field, at least I can compete in the retail industry. So let's go, baby. It's all about competition. <laughs> now, where can people find information about Kyvin, and will, do you ship this to people? Yes, people can always go on Amazon and type in Kyvin. That's K-Y-V-A-N again. Um, people also can go to my website at Kyvin82.com to find out other locations um, other Walmart locations where this product is sold, and you can also order online off of my website. So we're making it accessible, e-commerce, retail, and hopefully in the near, near future we can also tap into food service as well. 
Um, but again, okay. it, it, it's a challenge. It's an opportunity for me um, to have a smooth transition from the game of football to my next line of work. And and, and, and I say this to, to any young person out there who, who are listening: it's always important to have a plan. It's always important to be prepared, regardless of what stage of life you're in. And and right. when you're prepared, when you're prepared, that makes the transitional phase a lot easier. Makes it a lot smoother. Uh, so you can move from one line or from one profession to the next. And so um, I started early preparing, and because of it, it's helped me be in the position that I'm in right now, and I'm going to keep rolling until the, until the next venture comes. So i, I got to get some Kai Van. I mean, i got to get some of this salsa and these sauces and these various seasonings. I mean, it sounds good. No doubt, man, no doubt. One, appreciate the goodness, my man. <laughs> you, you talk about you know you, the southern cooking and everything, man. I mean that definitely sounds like it's up my alley. I'm definitely going to have to go to the website kaivan82.com to see if I can get me some seasonings and some salsa. Definitely some various things on there. Reggie, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. No doubt, no doubt, man. Look forward to being on sometime here in the near future, man. Continue to do a great, great job, man. Wish you nothing but the best, all right? Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, man. Reggie Kelly, former NFL tight end. And, and Reggie, he isn't retired. Pending, pending a phone call from some team around the National Football League. The second hour of Go Forward starts right now. Second hour of Go For It on and popping. In this hour, we're going to be joined by singer, songwriter, R&B star, the great Brian McKnight. And the great Brian McKnight has an album out right now, More Than Words. If you haven't got it, get to the store, go somewhere, somewhere where you can download it. Legally, of course, and support this great musician. I mean, Brian McKnight has been in the game for over 20 years, still putting out the hits, still making big-time music. They don't make them. I've always said, and I've heard Steve Harvey say this, but on some level it's true. I mean, you know, the music that's out there, not a big fan of, of a lot of the things that are out there, and a part of it could be my age. I mean, you know, I'm not, the music, you know, the, the various hip-hop really doesn't appeal to me, but it's not meant for me. You know, it doesn't appeal to me. That's 18 to 35. Well, I'm 37. So that, that's out of, out of my wheelhouse at this point. That's out of my wheelhouse. So, you know, I'm always looking for a Brian McKnight album. I'm always looking for some old an R. Kelly album. I'm always looking for guys, R&B guys that I grew up with. And those are the guys I grew up with. Those are the guys I grew up listening to, I should say. 
the Brian McKnight's, the, the R. Kelly's of the world. So I'm going to listen to that type of music. I'm going to support that type of music. That's just me. That's just me. And he is on the line now. We're going to bring him in. He is on the line. Let's, I'm bringing Let's him bring in. him in now. R&B star, the one, the only, Brian McKnight. Brian, how are you, man? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's summertime. I can't really complain about a lot. And that's always a good thing. Summertime is always a beautiful time of the year. Brian, let's get to your album now, More Than Words. For those who have not gotten the album, what can they expect from More Than Words? You know, it's it's me. It's what I do. I, I write the songs. I, I come up with with everything that, that comes on the records that I make. And... Um, same old Brian McKnight songwriting. Uh, the tempos are a little quicker because that's how 2013 is, but pretty much it's more of the same. There's some great singing, some great plans, some good songs, and something you can put on with your, your significant other or by yourself, depending upon how you do your thing, and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about the more up-tempo tracks. I mean, your calling card are the love ballads. And you said right. 2013 is one of the reasons you decided to go with the up-tempo tracks. Are there other things involved with you going with the more up-tempo style? Well, I say up-tempo, but don't get me wrong. It's not – I didn't make a dance record. <laughs> okay. I just decided okay. to push the BPMs a little faster than what ballads have been known to be in the past. Still love songs, just at a little quicker tempo. That's all. I didn't go crazy and do a whole record full of dance records, though. <laughs> No, I hope not. I hope not. That's not Brian McKnight. But the, Brian the, reasoning, McKnight. We, the reasoning is that we, we are at a date and time where, there, you know, you listen to the radio, there are no slow songs being played. You know, people right. just are at a different point in their lives now. It's a different era where, you know, things are, are more upbeat. So I wanted to sort of go along with the, the times. Right, definitely. you got to change with the times. And, and, Brian, me and my wife, you know, we like to make babies from time to time. What is the perfect Good. song off this album for baby making. Baby making. Wow. Ugh. Even though it's not a happy song, Live Without You is the one that's closest to that. It's 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 a typical Brian McKnight ballad. You put it on, okay. even though I'm not talking about something happy, you can still get into that mood because the music puts you in that mood. Okay. Okay. So that's that's where I'll go to when I'm ready to <laughs> make a, a baby. Or, or you know what though? It depends. Are you making love or are you getting down? Because if you want to get down, then I say put on the front, the back, the side. Okay. So, okay. There you go. There's two choices. I, I'll Depends figure it out. I'll, I'll definitely figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Brian, you've been in this game for a while. You still sound remarkable. The sound is still great. But how much have you changed musically from the time you entered the game until now? Wow. You know, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing, so I just created music. I didn't really, there was no, oh, you got to be like this, you got to be like that. I just came up with what I thought was the kind of music that I loved as a first introduction. And then over time, you know, you start having hits, you start having success, you decide that you're going to just only do that. So what I've done now is I've come full circle. This album I just made is the closest thing to the first album I made in theory because I decided to throw out all of the the, oh, i got to write a song like this, write a song like that. I just created music. And the only thing okay. I changed was the tempos. So uh, I've come full circle. 
I, I really don't think so much about what radio wants or what people are expecting. I just went back to what was in my heart, what was in my soul, and I decided to put that out. We're talking to R&B star Brian McKnight. And, Brian, again, you've been in this game for a while, over 20 years. Obviously, you're a legend. Could this possibly be your last studio album? Ooh, you know, I said that before. And the okay. only way I'll stop making records is if I stop coming up with material to put out. So if I continue okay. to write, then, you know, maybe the way it comes out will be differently. The way we get music to the fans is different these days because of the Internet and the things you can do. But I'll always create music. And if I create it, then somebody's going to end up hearing it. Definitely, definitely. And, again, you came into the game 1992. It's 2013. And obviously things are different with the technology. How much has technology changed the game? It's changed it completely, completely. Without the technology, we'd still be making music like we did in the 90s. And people, and consequently, people would still be selling the way they did in the 90s. Right. But that's all I'm right. going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> who are you listening to R&B-wise? I mean, who, who are you listening to right now that's out? You know what? Um, it's hard to say because we keep putting the R&B label on everyone that's black that sings. And I think that's wrong. I think it does a disservice to the artists of today. And I also think it does a disservice to the artists that came even before me. I don't think that anything past 1990 should be called R&B. We should have come up with something else for it. Because when I think R&B, I'm thinking Bobby Womack. I'm thinking, okay. you know, uh, the OJs. And nobody's been making music like that since the 70s. But right. with that said, I still listen to the same records I listened to when I was a kid. So there's Stevie Wonder. There's, uh, you know, Bobby Caldwell and, and Kenny Loggins. You know, the, the artist of the day, I think the Neo stuff is really, really great because it's musical. Um, but he's he's one generation behind me, and now we're on to the next generation. I'm not sure what the kids are doing. You know, the 20-something, the early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, but every now and then you hear a song, it's like, man, you know, you hear Kendrick Lamar. He's doing some cool stuff. Obviously, right. Kanye and Jay-Z, they always have the greatest, you know, people doing their stuff with them. But as far as R&B goes, it's, it's a tough thing, man. It's tough because there aren't a lot of outlets for R&B to be played, so they have this sort of pseudo-hip-hop kind of mixed up with some singing and some rapping, and maybe they need to come up with sort of a new name for that. But, you know, right. every now and then you hear Trey Song's tune that's real dope. I like that. Um, you know, there's uh, Miguel. You know, he had a nice song out for a yeah, minute. Miguel. You know, Robin Thicke is killing them right now with his new jam, so... You know, I'm not sure if it's, it's about albums or artists anymore, but there are some great songs out there. And everybody you named that's out right now, they're not Brian McKnight, so let's be clear about that. They're not on your level, just my opinion, but they're not on your level. Well, you know what, that and, was and Brian, funny because... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying that people, you know it's all about perception. Perception right. is that whoever's hot right now is the best, and if that's the case, then... You know, it's just the way how you look at things, you know, and I, I don't really get caught up in that whole game. I love the fact that when I go out on tour, which I stay on tour all year, that people still come out and they want to spend their money to come and see me because I feel like they have a nostalgia that goes along with the music that I've written. They remember when they right. first first kissed the first person they kissed and then one of my songs was playing. Everybody saw me sing on Martin back in the day. So I hear that almost <laughs> every day. It's been 20 years. So that's, you know, those kind of things. I'm not, here's the thing. 
things that are happening today, will people 20 years from now remember what they were doing when it happened? And I hope, I hope it's the case. I'm not saying it will or that it won't. I'm just wondering when it happens, if, it's, if it will be the case. Brian, you're a big-time basketball guy, and I want to switch gears to your basketball game. You still getting out there? You still balling? You know what? After I got injured last year, I thought I was going to hang up my shoes. I ruptured my Achilles like Kobe last year in a game. Oh, man. And uh, oh, man. I, I thought I thought that was it for me. But then my buddy called me You know, earlier this year. They were playing in an over-30 league, and I was like, well, it'll be slower. I should be able to get back into the groove. And in the semifinals, I dropped 42. So I can still put it in. Okay. The okay. problem is okay. when you wake up in the morning, you regret right. everything you did the day before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that's the thing. I, I, I mean, have, yeah, go ahead. That's the thing about basketball. You know, it, it, it's almost like a drug. I'm 37 myself, and I'm always scared or, or a little leery of getting hurt. But I can't stop playing. I mean, it, it's a drug. Yeah, but the problem is, I just want to when I play, I don't want to play against people who are at a lower level because that's when you're going to get hurt. And not very, it's not often that you're on the court. So, you know, most of the time I'm just shooting around, doing my shooting drills, making sure the jumper's still wet. And, yeah, <laughs> it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You're very modest, I see. <laughs> well, when it comes to music, I'll be modest all day about the music I create. But, if you know, you know how it is. When I step on the court. Oh, definitely. People are always like, oh, man, you just need to go sing a song. You need to go write a song. And then next thing you know. I've got I've dropped thirty on them, and now they feel bad because they can't even go home and tell their girlfriends that they beat because they did. <laughs> and, and maybe you can write a song about what you did on yeah, the basketball court. Yeah, I tell them they, they need to go home and write a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about you ruptured your Achilles. Kobe Bryant he ruptured his. He says he's ahead of schedule. You did some music with Kobe way back when. How how was working with Kobe? You know, it's funny, we didn't actually work together because he was working with okay. the, the producers that did that track. But I've known him since he got to L.A. Um, and he's, he's a, a determined cat. In everything he does, he's going to give you everything he's got. And I didn't think, I thought he was good. The problem is, again, it's the perception. People don't want to believe that you could be good at something other than what they know you to be great at. So it, just, it right. wouldn't matter how great Kobe could rap. People would still say, oh, man, you just need to stick to basketball. And I think that's so wrong. Because I think that's more a reflection of the rest of us than a reflection of him. If he's great, give him the opportunity to be great at whatever he decides to be great at. But unfortunately, that's not the way the world works sometimes. And essentially, it's what you're saying is essentially like if you were to make a rap album, even if it was good, oh, absolutely. and we're going back to perception, you know, people would right. say, you know what, maybe he needs to stick to singing. And let's stay with the Lakers right now. Dwight Howard, he left the Lakers. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think he wanted to be in a situation where he could be in a better place than where he was at. You could tell by watching him play last year that he wasn't comfortable playing here. Um, he didn't give you the kind of numbers and the kind of – people weren't intimidated by him the way they were in Orlando. Now, maybe that could have been because he came back too soon from an injury. I'm not sure. But right. with all of that said – People want to blame Kobe. I hear people in L.A. all the time, well, he couldn't play with Kobe. He couldn't this, he couldn't that. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Um, the way it works is that when you're a free agent, you can go play for anywhere you want. That guy gave up $30 million to go play somewhere else. So right. we'll see. Now, if Houston doesn't win, I wonder what people are going to say then. 
<laughs> You're right. I mean, and I don't blame him for going to Houston. I mean, I look at the Lakers situation. You see the situation with Kobe, Steve Nash. He's getting older. Powell Gasol. I mean, the Lakers, I think the Houston situation is just a little more attractive at this time. Well, it's difficult for two alpha dogs in any situation to coexist in the same light. We've seen it in other places. Shaq left Orlando. He left L.A. Um, It's interesting the way Miami has been able to do it, but the only way Miami is successful is because Dwayne Wade decided that he was going to step to the side and let LeBron run the show. And I think it takes a very special individual to be able to do that. Now, not, but of course, these guys, they're more mature, obviously. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, because to me, the best situation would have been to be here in L.A. and once Kobe left, to run L.A. Okay. You know, if it was I me, mean, I, I, yeah, I, that's I see what, what you're saying. Done. I mean, it, it is L.A. I'm not quite out. All. So, right. you know, we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see how that all works out. But could be D'Antoni's system, could be some other things, who knows. But I'd love to play with Kobe Bryant because I know all I'd have to do is stand at the three-point line and wait for a pass and make shots. <laughs> that's it. So, so that's, you know, play that's your game. You, yeah, you that's, that's, that's all downtown. these things I have to do because three of the five players on the other team are going to have to deal with him. True. And what's that going to do? It's going to leave me wide open to do what I do. <laughs> and Brian, the NBA season, obviously, it's a few months away. It's a just ended, obviously. But at this point, do you see anybody challenging the Miami Heat? Depending upon which Derrick Rose comes back. Okay. Chicago will be very interesting. I'm not saying they'll challenge them, but they were pretty good and got pretty far in the playoffs without them. So I can imagine that they'd be better. Danny Granger coming back to Indiana, Indiana will be very interesting to see. Um, Houston, I mean, we'll see. If James Harden, those guys, yeah, it just really depends. I think that there are a couple teams that would need to make a couple of moves. And let's not forget the fact that if Greg Odom can play a little bit, that neutralizes Hibbert in Indiana. Right, right. <laughs> so, That's big. I mean, those, it comes down to matchups. I really don't right. think anybody – I think I think Miami will three-peat again, barring an injury, especially if Wayne Wade comes back healthy. That's true. So we shall that see. I, I, I'm looking forward to it, though. Aren't we all? I got to go to your Cowboys now. Romo signed right. this huge deal. You know uh, – the Cowboys at this point have been a disappointment over the past few years. Do you still believe in Tony Romo? Do you believe that Romo can lead your Cowboys to a Super Bowl? Absolutely. I'll tell you why. Okay. 28 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, and number six offense in the NFL last year. Overall, okay. number six. Um, defensively, not so good. Losing players, injuries, um, which every team has to deal with. I think that in our in our case, meeting our case, the Cowboys, they just happened at really, really bad times. If Demarc Murray can stay healthy, if our middle linebackers and our secondary can stay healthy, I believe we're looking at a, a ten and six or eleven and five season and winning the NFC uh, East. Absolutely. Okay. Even over RG three in Washington, even over Eli Manning in New York, we we don't know which RG three is going to come back. True, 
We don't know what the offensive and defensive lines that have been depleted for the New York Giants are going to come back with. The only wild card I really see is Chip Kelly's offense in Philadelphia and what they're going to be able to do and what speed they're going to be able to do that at. But take away Jeremy Macklin out of that situation. Now you've got situations there where you don't have the same receiving core. So on paper, looking at our personnel and our health, I think we have the best team in the NFC East. And real quickly now, you talked about the Philadelphia situation your thoughts on the whole Riley Cooper thing? I mean, him making those those unfortunate comments at the Kenny Chesney concert. I mean, do you think he will be able to ultimately coexist with his fellow teammates? Well, in a professional situation where everybody's getting paid to play, you don't have to be friends with the guys that you play with. You can play with them. And I think that athletes from other eras, when prejudice and racism was rampant, you learn that. I'm not sure if guys really wanted to play with Jim Brown, but they saw what Jim Brown could do. So they right. played with him, didn't they? <laughs> so I think it's the reverse of that. Um, I actually would rather have somebody let me know exactly how they feel than right. to play one way in my face and then when they're home with their friends being different. Because here's the only thing that nobody has said. If Riley Cooper had not have been on tape saying that, but he had come to practice the next day and said, hey, I said something yesterday. And I want to get this out. Um, you know, I'm apologizing, even though none of you knew about it. Even though there's no video of it, I was whatever I was. And I just want to apologize for saying that. No, he would not have said that. So what does that say about him? Obviously, this is something that's ongoing. That's how he feels, and I'm okay with that. Now I know how he is, and I know how to deal with him. And, and it's basically what I hate really is the like guys. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I hate the guys that are the ones that are two faced that will have a problem with you because of the color of your skin or because of either your sexual orientation or your religious right. belief, but they play like they're your best friend. And that, right. that's, those are the ones that you don't know what to do with. So I get it. I'm fine with it. He can say whatever he wants. Can he catch passes? Can he score that's touchdowns? The, right. Because if he starts dropping balls and if he starts missing, missing blocks, then we'll see a different sort of teammate deal with him. <laughs> right. And I was about to say the same exact thing. If he's out there right. catching 50, 60 balls, scoring five, six, seven, eight touchdowns, I'm okay with Riley Cooper. I'm an Eagles fan, lifelong Eagles fan. If right. he does that, I'm good with him. Uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, how he feels is how he feels. As long as he's professional. As long as, as, I mean, long as they're not playing the Cowboys, I'm rooting for them because I, I want to see Mike Vick succeed. Because <laughs> for years well, I've been well, saying that whatever team he played for, should have been tailoring their offense for his strengths, like they've done with right. Kaepernick, like they've done with RG3, like they've done with Russell Wilson. And now all of a sudden, now the Chip Kelly is there, now we'll see what he's capable of. Because I remember back a couple of years ago, Atlanta was running Virginia Tech's offense, and Atlanta started 4-0. Then they switched back trying to put him in the pocket. They lost six games in a row. So <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> We're talking to R&B star Brian McKnight. And, Brian, like we said, you have a big-time album out, More Than Words. Where can fans find information about this big-time album, some of your tour dates and everything? Oh, my website is mcknight360.com. You can always hit me on Twitter, and I'll let you know that's at It's B. McKnight or on my Facebook page, backslash Brian McKnight. Brian, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with this album. Nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. All right, Doc. How about them them Cowboys? Watch out. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, We'll see. (laughs) Take care. You got it.
Brian McKnight, R&B legend, R&B star, R&B legend. I mean, and Brian definitely knows the game of football, definitely knows the game of basketball. He's a very knowledgeable sports fan and, and gave us some knowledge. Obviously, he's a big-time Cowboys guy. He's a big-time Cowboys guy. He loves his Dallas Cowboys, and, and I think the Cowboys will be an interesting team. I, you know, you look at the Cowboys over these years, they've always been an interesting team. They've always been a team that was close to doing something, had the possibility, the chances to do something. And somehow, whether it's Tony Romo, whether it's Jason Garrett with the play calling, whether it's Rob Ryan and the defense not getting it done, whether it's any of those things, the Cowboys have always found a way to mess it up. Whether it's Tony Romo's in the fourth quarter, throwing an untimely interception, making an untimely fumble. You know, the, the, you can even look at the game last year against the Redskins where he threw the interception to Rob Jackson there. And that pretty much sealed the deal in that particular ball game. So the point is, yes, the Dallas Cowboys obviously have talent. They've, they've had talent over the last three seasons. There is talent in Dallas. I, 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 Tony Romo is a top 10, top 15 quarterback. He can get it done. Has gotten it done. The numbers do speak for themselves on a lot of levels. He's put up the numbers. So I look at Tony Romo, I look at the Dallas Cowboys, and I say, you know what? This team can be good. This team has the talent to be good. But the bottom line is, will they be good? And we'll see what happens. That's going to be dependent upon Tony Romo, dependent upon Monty Kiffin and that defense. That's what it's all going to come down to. I want to go to Johnny Manziel for a second now as we come near the end of the show. Johnny Manziel, Johnny Heisman, we all know the story, him signing autographs, um, allegedly signing autographs for money, for financial gain, benefiting from his amateur status, benefiting from his quarterback play as the quarterback of the Texas A&M Aggies. We all know the story. We all know the story. But the bottom line is this. And the hypocrisy when it comes to the NCAA is, is it's maddening. It's frustrating. It's ridiculous. Let's be honest. I mean, the NCAA can benefit from you. You just can't benefit from yourself. You can't benefit from winning a Heisman. I mean, for crying out loud, you are signing your name on that paper. It's your signature. You can't make a couple dollars from your signature, from your name. You can't make a couple dollars from your signature and your name. Can't do it. And it's obviously, it's hypocrisy at its highest. Jay Billis from ESPN 
I mean, he went on his Twitter page and, and really talked about the hypocrisy of the NCAA. And granted, the NCAA did come out. Mark Emmerich, the president of the NCAA, they would no longer sell jerseys on the NCAA website of players. But they were selling Johnny Manziel jerseys for monetary gain, but Johnny Manziel couldn't do anything with that. Um, they were selling Ty Ryan Matthew, as uh, Jay Bill has pointed out on his Twitter page. Let me read his tweet. Notwithstanding his suspension, the NCAA still sells Tyran Matthews searchable by his name. So they still sell his jersey. He was suspended. He gets no financial gain from that. He can't gain any type of money. Now, I'm not sure in terms of playing, uh, uh, paying these players how that would work. Because not every sport makes money in college, and not every team in college football makes money. But it seems unfair that guys like Johnny Manziel, superstars, Jadavian Clowney, those guys, superstars on the college level, elite players. I mean, you would think they would be able to find something in some way to benefit financially. I mean, you look at the whole situation many years ago. You had the situation with Terrell Pryor and, and the Ohio State players selling memorabilia for for tattoos and, and, and money and things of that nature. I can't blame those guys. I mean, it's their thing. They're, they're rings. They earn those rings. It's their property. Why shouldn't they be allowed to sell it? And then the, the, the hypocrisy, as far as I'm concerned, the NFL to suspend Terrell Pryor for five games because of that. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I understand why the NFL did that. They wanted to protect their minor league system, which is college football. So they have to protect that entity. It's good business. It's big business, and it's smart business to protect that entity. But it is hypocrisy at its highest. And I wanted to get to the Jason Whitlock article. It was great talking about this, but we're just about out of time. I'm not going to be able to get to it. But it's a great article. Make sure you check it out. Go to FoxSports.com. Jason Whitlock, great article about this whole situation and how essentially because Johnny Menzel has kind of opened our eyes a little more than Reggie Bush, Terrell Pryor, and other players who have gotten in trouble for pretty much the same thing. You look at Menzel. Menzel comes from a, a rich situation. He comes from a, a very good situation, a wealthy background. You know, these guys, Bush and, and Pryor and all those guys, they don't come from the type of money Johnny Menzel comes from. So for them, those guys to do what they did, it's a lot more understandable. But, again, we're out of time. I want to thank Brian McKnight for stopping by. Make sure you check his, check him out. Make sure you get his new album, More Than Words. Also, I want to check, think, can't even talk. Also, I want to thank Reggie Kelly for stopping by. Go to the website, Kyvan, K-Y-V-A-N-82.com. That's K-Y-V-A-N-82.com. And, Support some of the things that he's doing. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great week. See you later. Take care. Bye.